0: Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, the Stanley Cup playoffs are off to a rapid start. The overtimes, the road teams winning, and you'll never guess, but the Leafs lost in dramatic fashion.
1: And we have a special guest on today's show. It's Brennan from Everyday Sense. He talks about how the season went for the Ottawa Senators, expectations for the offseason, and more.
0: One thing that came up was goaltending 32 Thoughts reporting John Gibson of Anaheim could be on the move. Could that be a fit for your Ottawa Senators? Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day.
2: You're Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators part of the Locked On podcast network. Your team every day.
1: I'm Jake Sanderson and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast.
0: Welcome inside episode 781 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe to Locked On Senators wherever you download your podcast, and leave a comment below. Today's comment, we want to know what is the most surprising first game series? Who won that was most surprising for you and who do you think now could win a series maybe you weren't so sure of before seeing the action on the ice? Today is Wednesday, April 19th, and Pillsy, happy 19th anniversary of the last Toronto Maple Leafs playoff series win.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while, that's for sure, and it's looking like it might continue to be a while, Ross. I'm not sure. Uh, the Sens haven't been in the playoffs for a while, so maybe my memory's foggy, but is losing 7-3 in Game 1 a good thing?
0: I don't think it's necessarily the best. No, not ideal. Am I being too much of a hater at Send Central? <laughs> no, no, you're not. That
1: I mean, that's that's what drives this beast is uh, our, our fuel for hatred for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Go, Bolt. I tweeted out the leaf pile, so innocent this time of year. Then a gift being electrocuted. Then <laughs> yeah, show you me,
1: really did go for it this then year. Then show
0: me the leaf pile with a... Uh, follow up with a shot of just some amazing, you can feel. And as Mark Mathot told us yesterday, go check out that episode if you haven't already. Not only, and I'm going to extend what Mark said, not only do the players feel the 20 years of embarrassment, the fans, you can feel it in their face when they show them down in a single game. Like, I tuned in just for fun. Shout out TSN 1050, our old stomping grounds, Pilsy. Okay. I tune in after every loss. I, I'm I'm locked on. Like I have to, I have to hear what these guys are saying. Carlo's already thrown in the towel. Like they're they're already cowering. They were the favorites in the series.
1: Yeah, that it, it's it's wild how this game went. They were down three nothing in the first period. It only took uh, a matter of moments for them to let the first goal in. And yeah, the leaf pile is looking. A lot of soggy leaves down there. Some tears already happening, and I'm pretty sure Ross. I saw a thing on CP24 uh, that they have a therapist on telling people how they can deal with playoff stress. So oh. that's where we're at here for your Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Uh, which one of these three tweets was uh, was the winner of the night? Was it uh, Chris Johnston tweeted saying the Leafs got booed off the ice after 20 minutes? I quote tweeted and said, "Why? What happened?" <laughs> Then um, they came back, credit to the Leafs. They scored two goals in a row. It was 3-2 mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yep. And then Braden point scored. So I said no point in a Leafs comeback. Yeah, nice. And then uh, the third and final act was Michael Bunting is a complete liability and he has nobody but himself to blame.
1: Uh, I mean, they're, all three of them kind of go together into why this Leafs team probably will not be able to get it done here.
0: Oh, <laughs> honorable mention. Where's Matt Murray?
1: yeah yeah we're all those leafs fans that are uh whooping it up that they won the matt murray trade i love future considerations uh ross it's looked great in ottawa future considerations
0: they couldn't even fill out their own building they needed to enlist some Sens fans once we got this great this is just some absolute hater energy coming from from this this photo right here my nephew his good buddy rocking the Sens jerseys at the game you love to see it he told me this morning yep. he didn't even get he didn't get snarky comments nothing they are so in their own head in Toronto they don't have the energy to put down others which I mean when you're at a sporting event that's what it's all about so shout out <laughs> to these absolute lunatics for rocking the uh the black it reminds me of Stewie Sabrin and his yep. fiance wearing the Sens jerseys during COVID to, to Habs versus Leafs. So love the energy. Love the vibes there, fellas, and uh keep it rolling here for the next uh what three more home games for them? If we're are we still giving them uh, game uh, I don't know, Ross. <laughs> we're not giving them game seven.
1: I'm certainly not guaranteeing game seven. My God.
0: All jokes aside, it was a fun game. They beat the traffic. It was dressed like a seat night for the third period. You pay for the game, guys. You like stay in your seat.
1: Yeah, I honestly, like no matter what the score is a playoff game, I'm staying till the final uh, buzzard.
0: Dude, you stayed till the end of a five nothing loss in Chicago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So
0: I don't I don't know how you
1: well, I mean, I guess a lot of those seats probably aren't paid for. They're corporate seats uh, that the suits just come on in whenever they're, uh, they're done working down at Bay street, but I don't know. I'd be staying the whole time. That's just me.
0: Yeah, me too. All right. Let's turn our attention to, uh, well, we're both on the jets bandwagon. Yes. Obviously I'd love the energy in the city. You got the future. We both have futures. We both have futures. So we're, we're both. And just- I stuck my neck out Ross.
1: I got a lot of flack for posting my bracket with the jets in the finals. So
0: I'm 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 high stepping a little this morning, Ross. Go off, King. Jets win five one on the road. All the road teams won yesterday, but the Jets five one. Let's roll.
1: And uh, Ross, that's arguably one of the hardest road buildings to win in, especially in the playoffs. Like, there's if there's one thing, it's Golden Knights fans know, which is crazy to say. It's playoffs. They know how to handle the playoffs, and they know how to get it going. And the Winnipeg Jets just came in there. They played great defensively. I've been saying it over and over. Connor Hellebuck will be the X factor for this team in this long playoff run that they're about to embark on, Ross, because he makes it look so easy. The Jets, or uh, sorry, the Knights didn't even get that many chances, but any chances they did get, it was it was very easy for Hellebuck to come up with the save. At least it seemed that way. So huge five one win for our Jets, and that's without Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup.
0: Yes, and we'll see whether he plays game two. We'll see whether Morgan Barron plays game two. 75 stitches to repair his face after going head first. And there were like three different scrums like that in front of the Vegas net in the first period. This one, unfortunately, Brassois' leg got lifted up, and it was like face to skate blade. It was probably almost a good thing that it was a goalie skate because there's a bit less of a curve to it. So it's going to slice maybe a bit less. Maybe it hits more bluntly, but not that it didn't cut. Yeah, that
1: was a scary moment, Ross. I was uh, kind of cringing and looking away for that one because not only does the skate hit his face, but he's being pushed into that skate. or that skate. And I'm not saying that it's anything uh, malicious or any intent to injure, not at all. It was just the way the play was happening. But whew, that's a scary one. And he's lucky that that was a couple inches away from his eye. Like that could have been a serious, serious injury. I mean, so the- not, I mean, 75 stitches to the friggin' face is pretty serious, but you could have been talking about life-changing stuff there if it's a little over.
0: Yeah, Halifax, Nova Scotia's finest there, Morgan Barron. Now, the Jets scored twice in 62 seconds. They gave up one in the last five minutes of the second period, but came out in the third, and Blake Wheeler, with uh, under four minutes into the period, gets uh, just a little backhand, or probably one that Brassois wants back. And then yeah. my favorite move, one of my favorite moves. But you score an empty net goal on a team, They put their goalie back in, and the same dude scores again. Adam Lowry could be an X factor in this series as well. Uh, Before we move on, though, Ross, I thought that – is it the third line? I forget what line they're
1: slotted as, but uh, Niederreiter, Nemestikov, and Wheeler. That was the best best line all night for me. I thought they were constantly creating energy, and they played really well. So I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that line.
0: Hashtag sends abroad, buddy. Vlad Nemesikov, yeah. who would have had him centering a second line in the playoffs uh, yeah. a few years later. Now, Mika zabanjad was quiet. No points for him with the Rangers, but they didn't need him because Adam Fox had four assists, and the New York Rangers crossed the Hudson River and laid an absolute beating. They whacked them in New Jersey for a little uh, for a little Sopranos reference there. But. Yeah. That was that was never close, and I'm convinced now that's going to be a sweep. The goaltending there's just such a discrepancy between the two sides.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, Vanacek had a really good season. If you look at his numbers, uh, you think he'd uh, you know wouldn't be that much of a disappointment in the playoffs. But I'm not so much putting this on him as I'm highlighting how deep and how stacked. This Rangers lineup is like I, I saw that Rangers lineup Ross and I tweeted the three fire emojis like that's the best roster in this playoffs if if you're asking me yeah, I would even put them as a better roster than the Bruins honestly like it's insane what they've been able to do here and I'm not gonna say it's uh looking like a sweep there but I'm feeling very confident in my Rangers cup pick In our Rangers cup pick I should say
0: are you going to uh are you gonna say you're confident in a Seattle Kraken sweep
1: No, no, you will not see me uh, say that I'm confident in Seattle Kraken sweep. Although, you know what? We both kind of said, hey, they're going to get one win. It's going to be at home. It'll be a nice story. They get that win on the road. I think that's big momentum here. But this Colorado Avalanche team, I think uh, maybe it's better if the Kraken didn't win that first game. Because now the Avalanche team have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to come back pushing hard. So I still got the Avalanche winning this one, Ross.
0: I forgot about the the underrated storyline of Philip Grubauer against his former team. A little revenge game there for the former goalie of the Avalanche. He was great. Uh, 34 saves for Philip Grubauer in Game 1 for Seattle. So the road team wins all four games tonight. We've got another slate. It's it, there's there's no rest during the first round of the playoffs. We sleep in August, right? We then we got the draft, we got free agency, all that great stuff. But tonight we've got the Islanders must win game for them on the road. Or you're not in trouble till you lose at home. I mean,
1: they're in my opinion, they're going to lose every game two one, and uh, they don't have much of a chance anyway. So it d- doesn't matter how things shake out here.
0: Would you play Alex Lyon if you're the Florida Panthers tonight in Boston, or would you go to Sergei Bobrovsky, who's back and ready to go?
1: you got to go to Bob here. I I think uh, Lyon was the hot guy, but holy crap, you're paying this guy $10 million. He's the highest-paid goalie in the entire league. If you don't trust him to put him in a playoff game after a beatdown like that, buy him out right now. So they got to put Bob in, in my opinion.
0: Those were the only two series where the home team won. Game one, Carolina and Boston, the two highest seeds in the Eastern Conference, the out west, and these were phenomenal game ones. I'm I'm excited to stay up and watch these tonight. Minnesota, Dallas, no word on Joe Pavelski, doubt he plays, and then the LA Kings in Edmonton for game two. Both of those, the road team got the win. Mini and LA, which one? They they start half an hour apart. Which one are you going to be glued to? Ross, I've been uh, I've been
1: praising the NHL staggered starts here. I watch them all. I I do the I watch the first game until the first intermission, then I flip to the second game until that intermission, then I flip back. So, I'm watching them all cuz those are two really good games. Uh, unfortunately, Pavelski out for the Stars is a massive massive loss I think more than people really realize. So, that's going to have an effect on this game, but I'm still dialed into that one and it's going to be interesting to see if the Edmonton Oilers can make a uh, better push to play all 60 minutes. Uh, well, I guess more than 60 as that game went to OT and uh, kind of shut down the Kings a little better than they did in the last game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great, great hockey to start though. Eh? Uh, I've said it. I'll
1: say it again. Round one is, is my favorite. Like Ross during the season, I pretty much only watch Ottawa Senators games. Like, I'm watching 82 uh, regular season games. It's going to be all Senators maybe once in a while. I'll flick on another one and catch uh, catch a bit of it before I go to bed. But I'm sitting down on my couch from 7 to midnight uh, pretty much every single day for, for this round one, and I'm fired up.
0: So good. We'll have more breakdown tomorrow. Tomorrow we also have David Foote on the show, the Belleville Sens voice play-by-play, play, communications with them. Great guy. Can't wait to break down the Belleville send season with him. And then on Friday, Ian Mendez will join the show. Again, if you miss any Locked On Senators, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Coming up next, Everyday sends the man behind the account on Instagram and on Twitter, friend of the show. Then we'll wrap up with a little goaltending conversation here on a goalie-friendly show. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our
1: friends over at Game Time. It's the presenting sponsor of this episode, and for a good reason. Because, guys, buying tickets to your favorite sports event shouldn't be stressful. That's where Game Time comes in. It's easy and fast. You can buy tickets for not just sports games, but music. I'm going to a Blink-182 concert in a month. I'm fired up about that. Comedy, comedy theater, whatever you like. They got it with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. Stop stressing over live events and just focus on having fun. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. If You guys are living in the heart of enemy territory. It's a nice day. You want to go see the Blue Jays play? Why not make the decision right there? Go to game time, get your tickets, head down to the ballpark. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, hockey, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find the same tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% the difference. And You want to know where you're sitting? Game time always gives you images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, boom, boom, and you're in. You're set. The tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you're not digging through your email. You're not asking your friend to use a printer and then go get them. None of that garbage. So... Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Again, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace, my favorite place on planet Earth. I still have to pinch myself and understand that we get to work with Shawarma Palace. Shawarma Palace is the best spot for Shawarma in the entire world. So you, yes, you living in Ottawa, take advantage of being so close to perfection and go visit Shawarma Palace at any of their nine locations. They're now open in the Saint Laurent Shopping Centre. So while you're out grabbing some, some goodies for the family, stop by and fill up at Shawarma Palace. The platters are unbelievable. I'm not going to guarantee But I'm going to say there's a strong possibility that that's two meals in one as the platter. But if you want a snack, go grab a wrap and do it all with the fresh ingredients and just a great atmosphere. And you walk in the front door. I always go to the one on Rideau Street right by Augusta. That's my spot. Um, And then you can also go to the one on Bank Street if you want. Bank and Hunt Club, Bank and Gladstone, closer to downtown in Orleans. You're never too far away from a Shawarma Palace. So head there today. Eat like a Royal at Shawarma Palace and make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. If you want to order them online, you can get that delivered through Uber Eats. So eat like a Royal today. Eat with Shawarma Palace. Ottawa's best Shawarma since 1997. All right, let's get to today's interview. With the man behind one of the most popular accounts on social media in the Senators sphere, here is Everyday Sends. All right, we now welcome a very good friend, special guest back to Locked On Senators. It's Brennan, and you know him online. The man behind Everyday Sends on Twitter and Everyday Dot Everyday.sends on Instagram. Brennan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, man?
2: Doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to get going here.
0: Oh, it's awesome, man. What uh, what a time of year with the playoffs going. Let's start there. We'll get into a lot of Senators. What's your Stanley Cup final pick? Ooh.
2: Well, I know a lot of people are taking Edmonton. I don't love that. Uh, nice. I'm you know, with I haven't you, yeah, Brennan. I haven't even thought too much about it, honestly. Like, the Senate season ended, and I'm here just kind of tuning out, honestly. So, not Edmonton, but uh, anybody else. <laughs> <field>. Not Toronto. <laughs> not Toronto. <laughs> taking right.
1: the field. Yeah. All right, I love it. I love it. Um yeah, Ross and I are big on the Rangers. That's uh, both of our cup picks. I I just don't see where there's a flaw in that roster.
2: No, yeah, I would probably go with the Rangers too. I like that roster a lot. You got Mika there too, so.
0: Yeah. Which senator do you think in a in a vacuum, like take away what team they're playing on or whatever, that you'd get the most pride in seeing lift the cup?
2: If I really want to piss people off right now, I'm going to say Philip Gustafson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sense fans will love that.
2: Uh, that'll really put it to Pierre, unfortunately, but oh, yeah.
0: and Well, goaltending, let's start there because obviously that was a, a big kind of part of the downfall to the Ottawa Senators this year. Blame injury, blame inconsistency. What is it for you um, that they should do with that position going forward? Because obviously that's one of the biggest storylines here coming in the summer.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. That's probably the toughest one because you know I love Matt Sogard. And I, I like Anton Forsberg, too, like I wrote about it, I think he was one of the most underrated goalies in the league last year. Yep. And then this year he kind of took a step back, but he was still kind of a good 1B option in net. I guess the question is just like, can you roll with a 1B in a season where like it's playoffs or bust next year? You have to make the playoffs. And if Forsberg's not that guy, it's like, eh. And then Sogard, too, a lot of potential, but he's, what, 23 years old, 22 years old? inexperienced so i would look on the market for like a Varlamov, a frederick anderson but he, he can't afford to, to trade for like a seven million dollar goaltender either so i'd look for a free agent if not roll with what you got i guess
1: yeah that's the unfortunate thing is they're kind of in a weird spot here they were hoping that talbot would be that 1a that could bridge the gap between forsberg and sogard being ready but obviously that ship has sailed so let's uh let's get into a positive off the bat though because the goaltending that's going to sort itself out in the summer I'm pretty sure so I want to ask you Ross and I went over this uh in a postcast a little while ago but what was your favorite moment from this season for the Ottawa Senators?
2: Yeah I've thought about this one quite a bit there was a lot of moments I think that was one of my takeaways this season was we were kind of spoiled with moments like there was just a lot of individual moments even though the team did make the playoffs and stuff it was still like A riches of moments um if I was at the home opener I'd probably say that because it looked just unbelievable even on tv it looked just surreal to be there but I wasn't at that so I'm gonna actually go with Claude Giroux the slap shot against San Jose and not even just Giroux but the penalty kill like I remember Hamannick blocking shots it was like a two minutes of sustained pressure in Ottawa's zone on a four on three maybe even a five on three and it just ended so perfectly. Like everybody was in the comments, like, Oh, Mott tripped their defenseman and yada, yada. I don't care. That was a moment that you just don't get back. That was awesome. Drew with the, the, classic slapper like that was definitely my moment and also the tweet when i tweeted it out blew up and got like hundred ten thousand views so stuck with me
0: oh <laughs> yeah and then after the game drew's like they asked him why he did a slap shot he's like "Oh, i told pinto i'd score on a slap shot
2: <laughs> yeah oh my god he's so slick like everything he says is so slick he never misses
0: oh so sick man so hey you mentioned uh your clips and and everyday sends the easiest place if you're missing uh the game. You just head on, and, and you've got all the clips. Like, can you can you peel the curtain back for us a little bit on how you are so quick to turn those around and put them up?
2: Yeah, a lot of people ask me that. And I'm like, I don't want to give my secrets away, and then everybody's gonna be doing it. No, yeah, that's I'm fair. No, no, no. Martian
0: is uh, putting his ear close to the mic yeah.
1: here. <laughs>
2: no, I don't even think I'm that quick. There are people quicker than me. Pesky Siccos does it too. He often gets them up like True. ridiculously fast, and I don't understand how. But like even this season, I tried to take a step back because a lot of the time I'll be recording it. And I'll miss the game because I'm just staring at what I'm doing and I'm like, man, I'm not even watching the game now. Like what's happening? So I try to stick to doing it on commercials now, but like it gets a lot of, a lot of engagement. People love the clips, so I got to keep doing it, but. Yeah, yeah. There's no real secrets. Just like just don't watch the game as much, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we, we got to give uh, you thanks for getting that clip of us getting a shout out uh, from ABS on uh, one of the more recent games. So we appreciate you and, uh, and your work there. Now, you mentioned your biggest moment. What what was the biggest storyline of this season for you? Like if it all boils down to kind of one thing that kind of explains how this season went, what would that be for you?
2: I want to say injuries, but I don't like to say injuries because it sounds like an excuse. So I'll say inconsistency. Yeah. Just like they went, obviously, that November stretch and you felt like the season was done. They were last in the league at one point, like just terrible. It was pitiful. I was so upset. (laughs) And then um, they worked their way back. And and after that, Giroux and Dabrinkit discussion with DJ Smith, they ended up going like 19, 12 and four and finishing in the top half of the league after that. So... I mean, the second half was good. The first half was bad. And so I just go with inconsistency. And I mean, who knows where they would have been without injuries, too, though.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate that injuries played such a big role in this because, like, at the end of the season, Ross, what what did we have on our injury list? Nine guys and, like, over, it was like $25 million worth of players. Like, it was insane.
0: Yeah. I had to shorten the font. That's what I knew it was bad because usually I, I keep it so that there's, like, pretty, it's it's uh you know there's a lot of room on there and i still had to make it nice and uh and small but especially on the back end hey brandon it was how it was just like one after another like was it the same game that hammock and uh and Chicker went down if not right out right after each other and we knew shabbat was playing hurt ultimately he couldn't go either and and is is that a concern for you too where it's just like for shabbat i mean we talked about how much of a workhorse he is and they're trying to limit his minutes but now this is three years in a row where he hasn't been able to finish the season due to injury
2: Yeah, it is a concern. I'd say it's more of a concern with Chikrin based on his past. With Shabbat, though, too, like it's only really been at the end a lot of the time. So it's like, are they just shutting him down because they haven't really been competing? Right. Like if they were in a playoff race, same with Chikrin this year, would he have played potentially? Right. Because there would have been something on the line.
0: He said he was pretty much ready to come back. Exactly.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Like if you add both those guys in, right, you're a totally different team. I think yeah, the other back end, I think the goalie injuries were just the killer. Like when Forsberg went down with those knees and then Talba just all year was out. So, um, that was the real killer. You felt like, oh man, like we need Kevin Mandalese and, uh, Matt Sogard and Levi Merlin just to step up and get us to the playoffs. Like, what are the odds of that? It's like one in a hundred. So yeah, yeah. The injuries were probably the most unfortunate part of the season. And I mean, it started with Norris too, right? Like yeah. just having Norris would have been a, a totally different team. So people kind of undervalue that I think, but, um, I don't know. We talk about it a lot and it's, it's sort of an excuse, but uh, something you have to live with, I guess.
0: You know what else we talk about a lot, Brennan, and uh, we've kind of been tiptoeing around this conversation. So I'm going to hit it head on with you. And and I'm, I'm excited to hear your takes on it is, is the Alex DeBrinkett storyline here. And, and I mentioned, or you mentioned rather with the injuries, like he didn't get to play with his top six centermen and Pinto was probably put in an unfair spot for most of the season, his first full NHL year. But like the skill is clearly there with Alex to bring If you were in Pierre Dorian's shoes or the general manager going forward in the summer, how would you approach him and try to convince him that this is the place to be?
2: Uh, I'd replace the coaching staff. <laughs> no, straight up. Like, I don't know if you read between the lines, is that not what it sounds like? It's just, he didn't like the fit. Like he straight up didn't like the fit. I mean, how many times has he said like, yeah, I want to see how things play out this summer to me. That's just like, I want to see if I've got a different, different fit next year. So, um, DeBrinkket though he's such a hard one because yeah, he like he had a down year. I'll admit he had a down year. I'm just willing to pay him because like every other year's been so good. and even this year was almost a 70 point season, 30 goals 70 point season. so like a down year sure, but he's still a valuable player. And I always come back to like if you lose debrinkett, who's replacing him? because Giroux is 35 even though we love Giroux. Now you've got two holes in the top six. It's just like, yeah, the window's now. You got to win now. You can't risk wasting like two, three years waiting for a replacement, right? As for the money, I mean, people always talk about, well, he's not worth Tim or Brady's money, right? He's got to get less than that. And I agree. I do agree he's worth less. But like, if you have to pay him $8.5 million a year, which is more than Tim and Brady, yeah. like, I'd pay him that if it means not losing him. I don't care about the the ego of like, oh, we're paying him more than Tim and Brady. Who cares? As long as you can fit everybody else under, which I went in and did a deep dive on it, you can as long as they're like not signing ridiculous contracts elsewhere like just sign him just sign him unless this guy's asking for 10 million dollars or 11 million dollars i would sign him
1: yeah and that's the thing you gave up uh, everyone kind of said it was a steal of a deal but you still gave up a lot of assets to acquire him so to have him only for this year and then the qualifying year uh, That hurts. That hurts for sure. So that's something that uh, this offseason, again, the goaltending and Alex Sprinkett, those are the two offseason topics that we're going to be talking about for weeks to come here. But let's get back to what happened this season. And I want to get your opinion on which player on this team you thought grew the most during the season.
2: Okay, so I know... Everybody will think I'm going to say Eric Brandstrom because I tweet (laughs) about this guy like every day and I can talk about him too if you want but I'm actually going to say Tim Stutzla and that seems obvious but this guy had a 17 goal 32 point jump. He's a 21 year old and he was supposed to be the second line center like he was supposed to be behind Norris facing getting better matchups and like not having to worry so much about that instead he's out here he played was so he averaged the most ice time among Ottawa forwards. And then he he was more than a minute over the next forward at 5v5. So this guy was out there constantly, like, just playing against the opposition's best. I mean, teams were matching up against him, like, with the goal of shutting down Tim stutzler And he still was producing at such a ridiculous rate. Like, go to his game log and look at how consistent he was. It's disgusting. So uh, I'm going to go with Tim just for the simple fact that that jump at 21 and in a role where he wasn't even expected to start facing, like, just a... a ton of challenges and obstacles he still managed to produce like that and brady obviously helped him with that too but even brady's only 23 years old so it's like these guys are so young and doing so much at that age it's it's unbelievable
0: so follow up on that going into training camp next season i know we're kind of jumping back and forth but it's that time of year where you look back but also forward they pretty much had josh norris and brady kachuk tied at the hip over the first two seasons. I'm not sure if you, everyone knows, but they're best friends. <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, like get, going into next season, like have, is it Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla tied at the hip now, or if you have a healthy Norris, do you keep that combo that's proven effective in the past together?
2: Yeah, that's really hard. Cause like last year, Kachuk, Norris and Batherson did really well and Batherson obviously yeah. took a step back this year. So you kind of want to find that chemistry again. So like, I'd want to try that again. The other thing is going back to Debrinkit, like, I need to see Debrinkit play with Stutzla. I need it because I was so excited about this entering the year and they just didn't do it because he and Brady worked so well together, Tim and Brady, which is fair. But, like, if you want to get Debrinkit back on track, do you play him with Tim? I mean, who else is going to be a Patrick Kane type to him, right? Like, I I thought about this a lot. If you had Debrinkit and Kachuk's spot this season, all season, playing with Tim Stutzla and Claude Giroux primarily, does he not put up around the same production as Kachuk did? Like, we're talking about around 10 more points, like 12, 13 more points, a few more goals. Well, maybe not as many goals, but close to it. It'd be close. It would be close. Um, so, yeah, back to your question. I mean, I would probably... Like, I'd, I'd be down to mix the lines up a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily tie Kachuk and, and Stutzla at the hip. Um, I think you just need to find what works in that top six, and you got to do it quick, too.
1: Yeah, for, for, for me, it's kind of good problems, right? Like, it seems like either no matter what combination you do for that top six, it, it should work chemistry wise. And in small sample sizes, it has, has worked in different spots. So that's very interesting to me, how they're going to do that. Once Norris comes back into this, uh, my next question, not really a question, but you alluded to it, Eric Branstrom, Brandon, I'm just, I'm just going to open the floor up and pass the mic over to you.
0: Go off King.
1: Tell us about Eric Branstrom.
2: Oh, I feel like I've said so much about Eric Branstrom. Like, just I don't know like people so I wrote this whole thing about Eric Brandstrom about his career and how he's been sort of mismanaged and like yeah some of the blame falls on him for not breaking out and stuff but this was his first like full-time NHL season and people don't realize that because it feels like Mark Stone was traded 10 years ago to me even like it feels like Brandstrom's been here for so long but like he only played I think 53 games last year and then you know he came into camp and he got COVID missed all of camp and then he broke his hand after playing two games with the team when being recalled, missed like six weeks after that. This guy's career has just been like up and down, up and down, inconsistent. This year he gets a chance. And I remember, I think it was in March or something. DJ, like this was my real gripe with DJs. He scratched for when He was playing really well and it upset me because it was like, yeah, finally he's getting his groove and now he's scratched. And it's just, but anyway. Um, Branson pretty much improved in like every area this year. I mean, his puck movement and stuff has always been key, but if you look at his numbers too, like he led the Sens in almost every defensive metric. Like, if you're looking at expected goals per 60, goals against per 60, he was up there in every metric and was just so far ahead of like everybody else on defense. So, I mean, that was the area that he was lacking was D. And then over the second half of the year, I think he led Ottawa defensemen in 5v5 points as well. And he didn't even really get the power play opportunity. And he posted 18 points, right? And like, if he can continue production like that next season, which I mean, it looks like he should be able to um, like, I don't see why you don't sign this guy to like a four year deal at 2 million. If he's willing to, I don't know if he'd be willing to, but you see deals like that all the time. Um, that's what I'd definitely be looking for right this off season. If you can get him longer term, shorter uh, value contract, that's that'd be awesome.
0: Is there a place that you can pinpoint where like the defensive side of his game became his calling card because we were just sold on him so much. It's like, okay, provide offense, move the puck, do this, do that. But now it's like he's one of the first guys over the boards to kill penalties, and I don't think even his biggest supporters, looking at you, Brennan, that that you would have seen that in his future a couple years ago.
2: No, definitely not. I mean, I don't. I don't even know why his defensive game has come the way that it has. Maybe it's just being in that bottom pairing role. Like it's just been like in practice and stuff. He's not in that role where it's like, yeah, jump into the play constantly and try and produce points and stuff. He's had to kind of focus on the defensive side of things just because of the role he's been in, and he'll have to continue doing that with the addition of Chikrin. Um, So I would guess just like the way they've used him, he's kind of adapted penalty killing. No idea. He's just been thrown out into the fire, I guess, and adapted to it. like it should be noted too, he's not starting in like the worst situations defensively. He started in a lot of offensive situations as well, like shifts and stuff. But um pinpointing it's tough. I think just the situation he's been thrown into, he's adapted to it and practiced it.
1: Yeah, and I think with Branstrom too, he he kinda had to like when he was coming up, it was Brandy moves pucks. Look what he can do with the puck in Belleville. He's dominating on the power play in Belleville, but then He, Like you mentioned, he wasn't getting those chances. He wasn't producing the points. So he had to kind of look in the mirror and be like, hey, I can't just be a puck moving defenseman. It's not working out for me in the NHL. I have to round my game out and become a better player defensively. And he put a lot of work into that. And the results were there. So I'm really, I'm a brandy guy. I I think I have been since day one. I think uh, as a small, young defenseman, it takes time to figure out your role and how to play in the NHL. So I'm willing to be patient with him and I've seen what he can do now. So I'm excited for what Brandstrom has to come. And I'm with you. If they can lock him up to a longer term deal and kind of take advantage of a, a lower AAV, especially with how close they are to the cap here. That could be huge for them. Now, final question for me, Brendan, and uh, thanks for joining us. We always love having your input on the show, is we talked about the goaltending. We talked about Alex DeBrinkett. For for me, the third offseason question is, what's this team going to do with the bottom six? Uh, I think the bottom six, the lack of scoring has been an issue. They haven't really been able to find guys that really fit in full-time. DJ's done a lot of moving around there. What do you think this team's going to do with the bottom six in the offseason?
2: Yeah, I think they'll definitely look to the market. I mean, you've got, like, I think Sokolov did well over his little stint at the end there, but... Kind of keep harping on this, there's not a lot of time for like experimenting now. You know, you can't waste another November month being like, okay, will Sokolov work? Will Crookshank work? Will this player work? Like you have to get results right away next season. So I think I know Sen'S Talk was talking about like Jesper Fast. That's the type of player who you could add, who would be like he's proven. You know he's gonna be a good player, you know he'll help you. So if you can find players like that, I think they'll definitely look that way to the market. Um I mean, you also have Ridley Gregg, who I think should be in a full-time role. I think he is ready. Like, that's not even an experiment to me. That's, like, he's a quality third-line player right now. Um, You've got Pinto then with Norris coming back. He'll be the third-line center, so that's more ideal. Joseph is, I mean, he had a bad year, so I'd probably put him on the fourth line. But, you know, you got Kastelik, who I like. So, like it's kind of hard to look at the bottom six but I think you have to sign at least two players or acquire at least two players to fill that role out and two guys who you know will actually produce at least more than like 10 points
0: (laughs) yeah yeah like the Austin Watson special and it's just kind of like insanity is just bringing the same guys back Mm -hmm. over and over again I know they said the door isn't completely closed on Watson but to me it's like hey this is an easy change to make even if it's just for the sake of change where it's like we need we need everyone to understand the importance of, of next year. Now, Brendan, I, I want to kind of ask you this uh, retroactively. Maybe the the prospect that you thought grew the most this year. I, I know you mentioned Sokolov a little bit at the end of the season, but is it Ridley Gregg? Is it another guy, maybe uh, Tyler Clevin who came in at the end of the year, or even Matt Sogard, who got 19 games. I still can't believe that he play- He played one less game than David Riddick, who was the backup in Winnipeg all year right? It's wild to see that. So which one of the prospects that you had as a guy to watch going into the season grew the most throughout and who you're looking forward to seeing at camp?
2: Yeah, I'd say Sogard probably takes number one on the list just because he was thrown in and like, he had to just get that experience. And I think if he does earn the backup role next year, like the 19 games this year are going to be huge for him just because like, you can learn so much in every game, especially as a goalie. Right. So I think you put him number one, but Clevin is a great one as well because he, he was excellent like i i could not believe how good he was at the nhl level with his decision making and stuff like he should push for a spot next year he probably won't get it but he very well could serve it i think um i ultimately i'm gonna go with ridley greg for the answer just because i think Greg, I know a lot of people, the one thing with him is that he's got a smaller frame so he can get pushed around a bit. He's not quite as physical at the NHL level, but like I think he had nine points in 20 games and he he was among the leaders in pretty much a lot of the analytics as well. Like He did really good things on the ice. I remember with uh, his power play chemistry with Giroux as well was something that really helped the second unit. So I'm going to go with Ridley Greg growing the most. I think he grew in, in the sense that next year he'll be a full-time NHL player. Um, but yeah, Sogard and Clevin are two big ones. Sokolov, even Cruikshank look good, Gerventi, but, um, they're all guys to watch again. It's just so hard now because there's no more time to waste. Like these guys either have to make the jump or, or they don't, you know, like you need guys on ELCs, but, um, like the team has to start winning. So yeah, for your answer though, Greg,
0: when, uh, when did you start everyday sense?
2: 2017 on Instagram.
0: So right around the time, like the last playoff run.
2: Yeah, I started after that because I was really happy about that run. And then we fell into a pit for the next six years. So that's been good. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, it's we're been the same.
0: We're just yeah, we're the three. same. This is oh, seven- yeah, yeah. episode 781 with Lockdown yeah. Senders. Never covered a playoff game. And now you're going on over 1,300 posts on Instagram alone. And we need playoffs. So I'm glad that the theme of all this is no more excuses. It's time to take that next step. Be a playoff team next year. Or else just blow the whole thing up, eh?
2: absolutely and it's actually more than tenders, but double that because my one account got deleted on instagram so this is just the second account no with way. that many posts yeah but uh no but i'm not i'm not bitter about it it's uh it's been a good rebuild we've had a lot of fun there's <laughs> been a lot of positives but uh i was really hoping for the playoffs this year just because oh my god like that would be insane to cover playoff games with this stuff but um next year man like Next year, they better make it. That's all I can say.
0: hundred percent. And for more in-depth analysis over the summer, you can get a subscription on everydaysends.com. You can follow Brendan's work on Instagram, everyday.sends, and on Twitter, everydaysends. Brendan, let's do this again around the draft, and let's regroup and see what the year could hold next. But really appreciate all your insight, and thanks for all the great work that you do for the community.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Right back at you with that, too. You guys have been phenomenal with the content, so keep it up, boys.
0: Stick taps to Brennan for joining us. Really fun conversation with him and make sure you're following him on social media. Everyday.sends on Instagram and EverydaySends on Twitter. All right, Pilsy, goaltending. We're going to be talking about it a lot until Pierre Dorian or the Senators organization makes some sort of move unless they plan on going into next season with Anton Forsberg, who hasn't played since early February, two torn MCLs, and a goalie with 21 total games of NHL experience, an up and down, a 22-year-old whose development you don't want to ruin by putting him up too fast. So I think you and I are both on the same page that a goalie should be acquired externally to come in and help out at the NHL level. But could that be John Gibson? who was once considered one of the best goalies in the league. He's kind of been rotting away, dare I say, in Anaheim with a pretty poor team in front of him. I believe he faced an NHL record in amount of shots on goal this year. He's a workhorse, but could he be a fit in Ottawa? Yeah, so this is something that Elliot Friedman
1: kind of talked about on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, and I think a lot of Sens fans have been mixing this up, uh, seeing what people think on Twitter. And it's certainly interesting, Ross, because – It's a little different than what the Sens have done uh, recently. The Matt Murray one, that's a guy with a lot of pedigree. He won two Cups at a young age, but injury injury struggles and was coming off one or even two bad years. And Pittsburgh was just trying to get rid of him. So that didn't really make sense. Cam Talbot, that was a one-year thing. It wasn't a long-term one. And he was on the wrong side of 30. Whereas John Gibson is 29. He's got a contract for the next four years. He's proven that he can dominate in the playoffs. But his last, I'm looking at it here, and you mentioned he's been rotting away in Anaheim. But his last, even like five seasons, have not been very good. Mind you, that's a bad team. So you got to ask yourself, are you willing to bet on the fact that John Gibson can have a bounce back with a better team? And I believe he's one of those guys, and Elliot kind of talked about this, that he needs the the fire of trying to win. Like he can't be in a rebuilding spot and perform at his best. He's a competitive guy. He needs to feel like this team has a chance to win and I think he can uh, really turn things to another level. For me though, it's a no just because that 6.4 million unless Anaheim's going to retain some salary which on a 4 4 years left, I doubt is going to happen. Or you're going to have to pay a lot more i don't think it's going to work and it's important to note i'm not sure where gibson stands on this but he does have a 10 team no trade list uh no movement clause so not sure if ottawa
0: would be on that list or not and he lives in newport beach right california where it's 75 and sunny every day
1: yeah well i mean if you look at uh uh, sean simpson's uh, twitter sometimes you can get uh, pictures of the ottawa river that look like newport beach right
0: well, if you're watching on YouTube and are like, what are all these numbers? This is uh, most saves since 2017-18. So, basically, uh, when Send's Rebuild started... Look who's at the top. Look at Hellebuck, though. <laughs> a thousand more saves than, uh, than John Johnny. This is Gibb. what I've been saying. It's what I've been saying. But uh, you look at the company he keeps. Obviously, he's a guy who, who plays a lot. With It goes Hellebuck 1, Vasilevsky 2. Gibson three, Markstrom four, Bobrovsky five, Freddie Freddie Anderson um, in number six position here. But so he's a guy who even though he's I think he's 29 right now, like he's He's just kind of entering his prime. He's also a guy who's faced way more rubber than a lot of goalies at his age. So to me, it's it's a no. Also, I don't want to get my hopes up if it were to happen because he ain't coming to Ottawa. Like this is the guy who I believe he's from Pittsburgh. I think like that's if he's going to move like, yeah, you want to give Crosby a little breath of fresh air and be like, Hey, look, I know we just fired everybody for you. And yes, he's from Pittsburgh, John Gibson. I, I think that that's just a match made in heaven. Cause they, they have Tristan Jari as a pending free, free agent right now. Let him walk, Yeah, bring in Anaheim. They've had some dealings recently too. I don't know if it was after Pat Verbeek took over with the ducks, but the Ricard Raquel trade, obviously they've got mm-hmm. a history there. And um, I, I think that it would be, a perfect fit for him in Pittsburgh. So I don't want to get my hopes up here, but that's the type of kind of one, a goalie, a guy who can be kind of a workhorse. I get that the NHL is moving a bit to tandem Spilzy, but I still think that you'll, and you look at these teams that are just getting into the playoffs. A lot of them outside of Florida, really goaltending has been able to push them over that. When you look at the Islanders and Winnipeg in particular, the jets, great team, but didn't play well down the stretch you need a you need a really good goalie and can can Anton Forsberg be that maybe but you can't bet on a guy who's coming back from that major of an injury you have to have an insurance policy here
1: yeah in my mind if if Anton Forsberg is your number 1 option whether it's a 1A or a starter you're not ready to compete for for the playoffs and that's not a knock on Forsberg it's it's just a matter of fact and i think he's a 1B goalie and i think this team doesn't need a bonafide number one guy like I think Gibson is uh, moving forward. I think they just need a stopgap one A to allow Sogard to develop, and then you go from there. I think the bet, like Ross, all these teams, almost all of their bonafide number one starting goalies are homegrown. What yeah. you want is to draft and develop a goalie that can be your number one guy because they cost too much to try to get on your own, and goalies are voodoo like. Matt Murray, maybe uh, Dorian thought, "Hey, this is a guy we can bring in; and he can work for us." But you never know. I think you want a goalie that you've worked with, you've invested in, and you know exactly what he's all about. So I want to pave the way for Sogard to be that guy. Can he be that guy? I believe he can. It remains to be seen. He's got a couple of years on, until that's really a factor. But I don't think pushing all your chips in to try to acquire someone with a lot of money and that hasn't had good years, regardless of whether they've been on a good team or not, is the move to do right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. We'll have plenty of time. Let us know in the comments who's a goal they should target because if you look at the free agent market right now, not a whole lot out there. Like Semyon Varlamov, Frederick Anderson, uh Tristan Jari, who I mean you stay away from him. No, yeah. Talk to Penguins fans. But for for guys with uh save percentage this year, the highest one is Laurent Bossois. Right? Like that that's kind of the the quality you're looking at. I mean, Jonas Corposalo's there. I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up oh, yeah, with the LA Kings. He'd be a guy I'd be super interested in getting uh to Ottawa. But beyond that, like you're not looking at guys who are the, the cream of the crop. It's not like the, there's that star quality in this year's free agent um, crop. So when you look at it, uh, it might have to come through trade, and that's where a guy like Gibson's name would, would come up and other guys. So let's see what uh, happens throughout the postseason. Let's see what happens into the uh, the off season. But they have to address their goaltending because yep. next year matters and next year um, – you can't have a save percentage near the bottom of the league. You just simply cannot, or else heads heads are going to roll, man, and people are going to start getting frustrated. And I think that's going to continue into the locker room as well, because you know they they felt like, hey, we've been building, we've been building, we've been yeah. building. Now we're ready, but now we can't get a save. Like, come on. So yeah, it's tough. And Dor-
1: like Dorian didn't make a lot of bold proclamations in his last presser, Ross, but one bold thing he did say is. We're expecting and we're going to aim to be in the top 10 in save percentage next season. So that makes me think he's going to go kind of uh, big game hunting or at least put a lot of uh, concentration calories into getting a new goalie.
0: All right, buckle up. All things to come in the offseason. Starting next week, we will begin our exit interviews where we'll go through player by player on the roster, how we thought they did, what expectations are, should they be brought back in certain situations or used as trade bait. And then after that, the trade, then we got, sorry, the drafts coming up with uh, our rankings, of course, and we'll get some experts on. We'll discuss that, the draft at the end of June. So plenty of time to enjoy the playoffs right now and enjoy some interviews for you for the rest of the week. But for today, we say goodbye. Unless, Pilsey, you got any final thoughts? No, f- just final thoughts for me is just soak
1: in these playoffs. Like, if you're a hockey fan, it doesn't get better than this. Just just enjoy it, and uh, we'll, we'll see how these Toronto Maple Leafs do. <laughs> All
0: right, so I'm not being too much of a hater. No. no well, I mean,
1: I think a Leafs fan would
0: uh, have a different argument, but uh, yeah. it's, it, it's fun. It's the playoffs. Yeah, I love yeah. when the responses that I'll often get is like, where's your team? When I was like, where's Matt Murray? He's like, maybe the Canadian Tire. Somebody said, maybe the Canadian Tire Center parking lot because there's lots of space there. <laughs> okay, dude.
2: Uh,
0: I, I, I'll re- i reiterate this in case somebody is is following along at Send Central and they're like, like this, this one guy who follows us is a huge Leaf fan and he just chirps us every time I tweet. It's like he's following us just to chirp. But just remember, that's what we're doing too. So when you yeah. come to our account and chirp us for time at the Leafs, you by association are fueling me to do it more and more. So keep it coming. This is what it's <laughs> about being a sports fan. Yeah. As fun it is to cheer on your own team, I was like literally nervous before last night's game. I am like full on lightning bandwagon, round one. Yeah, FanDuel helps as well. But like cheering against teams, like that's the beauty of sport. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Or maybe I'm just a hater. <laughs> it is what it is. But for today, we say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Brandon. Go follow him every day. Sends for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.